Welcome to the second episode of the Wide Angle Podcast. My name is Mark Steiner, your host, and today my guest is Jackson Hayes. Howdy. How's it going today, Jackson? It's going pretty well. A little slow. It's overcast, and so I feel like the entire day has just kind of slowed down. I think that always happens to me. I lose track of time and all that, but, you know, things are going. Quarantining, just chilling. Yeah, I feel like more and more often people are realizing that the time is, you know, just... Time is not what they're used to since they're at it's work and they're under concept. quarantine. Exactly. And it's so funny for me seeing all of my friends are like, I don't even know what day it is anymore because I have right. no schedule. And for me, that's been my life since I graduated doing right. freelance stuff. And it's like, I'm either working and I have a gig or I'm not working and I don't have a gig. Exactly. Days mean nothing to me. It's like, oh, it's right. the weekend. It doesn't matter because I was off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny seeing how everyone else is reacting under this kind of thing. And I'm just like, I'm so used to it at this point. It doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. But, and like I went when I had classes, you know, that was kind of the biggest like hard schedule items I had in my calendar. And so like without those, it's not as bad because I already had what, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, always empty. It was just Tuesday, Thursdays, I would be very, very full. Um, but now without those two, it's super weird. And it's like, I keep end up like procrastinating on homework. So I'm like, oh, I'll just do it when it's due. And I'm like, yeah. I don't like that. So I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, get back Cope onto it where yeah. I do yeah. that. I need to exercise more. I need to, you know, get more work done. It's a lot. It's a lot. But you're you're managing. I think my question for you is is that um, do you find that without those in person classes, with that that hard schedule, your classes are online now, correct? Yeah, they're all. Do you do you find that like it's much more difficult to view it as school and like actually do the work? Maybe a little. Like I already had one class that was online, so this is now just bringing four online out okay. of the five. Um, And it's not really that, the whole like school thing. Part of it's like, I'm used to class taking so long. And when everything's being so quick, I still in my head have it being like, oh, these are these big, long things I have to work through. But then I'm like finishing these lectures in like 20 minutes because they're just these short online clips. And so I'm like, I have a lot more time. I'm just not fully taking advantage of it yet or like registering that it's going to be so quick. I was struggling with that myself. Like, again, because I'm freelance, it's different from someone who has a usual day job. But I don't know, ever since this quarantine kind of became more prevalent, especially in Arizona, and more people are taking it CRC and freaking out, um, for me, it was just like I I had this gloom about me for a while. Hmm. And I was like, I don't really feel in the mood to create anything. And I kind of went on this... Like, I was working on this one lens review, and I'm almost finished it, by the way. Uh, yeah. Right before you called, I was oh, doing nice. the B-roll for it and, and putting the final touches on it. So that should be up tomorrow. But um, I found that I was just really not in this mood, and I was in this funk. And I think mm. it's just, like, the sentiment behind... I don't know. I yeah. made a video about it. You probably saw it. Maybe you yeah, did. But I did. I, what's what's <laughs> interesting, too, is, like, it's this general feeling of... Um, almost like mourning but it's like we're not mourning anything specifically obviously a lot of people have died which is terrible but like a lot of us don't know people directly who have and so it's this weird sense of mourning and you know there's people have talked about how if everything that you're doing feels kind of unimportant it's like hey here's Mm -hmm. a new lens and it's like yeah but people are dying and it's like yeah people are dying people are losing their jobs like it's it is weird it's a weird time but then at the same time like my streaming habits have only increased you know, like I want, I want to watch that content that makes me feel happy and make me feel normal. So I guess other people want to feel that too, but from a content creator's aspect, not a content consumer's aspect, I really had to get out of that funk. And I think I'm out right. of that funk for the most part right now, which I'm really yeah. happy about. 
but and I think the podcast for me as well is one of those things that just experiment with and have fun with. Yeah. Um, so thank you for coming on and, yeah. and doing this yeah, no with problem. me. Greatly appreciate that. But yeah, yeah, it's just I've been wanting to do something like this for a while, and now I feel like this has been a perfect excuse to be like, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Very cool. Speaking of the coronavirus. I mm. do have a, a bit of a cough. I don't think it's Go. coronavirus. So I am <laughs> ducking my audio periodically so I can cough without no, ruining no, the good. audio. <laughs> you're good. Um, well, I think another thing for me, too, is that a lot of people going off what you said is like they'll have mild symptoms of something like right. a cold or something. Right, and now you're something. terrified to breathe in a store. I'll hold my coughs down until I leave the store, and then I'll just like break into a fit of coughing. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, don't let it. Yeah, I think I think people are very feel for, fearful about themselves and, and what's the beco- becoming hypochondriac because of the situation we're in right. but also yeah. like when you're in public when you're not supposed to be technically uh just like any little thing that could potentially be viewed as sickness people are going to yep. freak out about so you don't want to be labeled as the guy <laughs> right right that has it but yes so i wanted to talk about i wanted to introduce you through how we met which i thought was a very fun and interesting story oh yeah i almost forgot about it, it took me a second yeah. i was like oh yeah okay Okay, so for those of you though, yeah, you can chime in whenever you want, but I feel like it's better from my perspective because yeah, yeah. I'm the one who reached out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the reason how Jackson and I met is um, I was sitting in my room one night and I was watching these videos. I was going down the YouTube rabbit hole, as you do, and I, this video came up about why the, I think it was the 2018 MacBook Pro, yep. 15 inch, that sucked. And I was like, you know what, I, I kind of want to hear about this opinion, even though it's like kind of reinforcing what I already know. And your video popped up. So I watched it. and I was like, oh, this kid seems young. He seems techy. He seems like I'd get like I'd become friends with this kid, but he knows what he's talking about. And you're just like roasting Apple, even though you don't want to roast <laughs> Apple. Because right. like we as like we are Apple fanboys, we enjoy what they do. But we also Absolutely. recognize from a tech perspective that they've been dropping the ball for a while now. Yeah. And so I was super bummed about that, but I was like just listening to this video and I don't know, like maybe around like the seven, eight minute mark, you're like, yeah, you know, I had to drive down from uh, Flagstaff to Phoenix to get this repaired. I'm like, wait, 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 this kid, this kid's local. Like I can become friends with this kid. So I I, (laughs) I slid in the the Instagram DMs. I was like, hey, I know you don't know me and this might be weird, but I just saw your YouTube video and I was like, hey, do you want to, you want to become friends? And you were like, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's hang out when I'm in Phoenix next. I actually have to go like pick up my MacBook Pro or something yeah. in the coming days. Let's hang out then. And uh, I was like, dope. So we did. And you were like, hey, by the way, I also, I'm going to be shooting this video for Spectre. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dope, we can do that. I'll show you around. And we got a little bit of footage for that. Yep. Not all of the footage, but enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we just had a grand old time and spent the majority of the day together just nerding out and shooting stuff. Yeah. So that was the beginning of a wonderful friendship. And I'm very <laughs> glad that you uh, allowed that to happen. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty random, too, because it was like I'd made that video and it, it really took it's I believe it's the most viewed video on my channel. I'm not I sure. I think it's like what, like 35,000 views. Oh, it's in the hundreds. Oh, it's not. Um, okay. Maybe I think maybe I it's 200,000. It. Oh, yeah, maybe Dang, that's it. A, yeah. It, it really blew up. It's what no. took me from the un- demonetized, or not monetized, to monetized, because I finally wow. got that 4,000 hours of watch time. And I made so around like 100 bucks from it. When I, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me pull up my, my stats from it and see how much Because I feel like when I when I saw that video, you were way above the subscriber threshold. Right, right. I've been above, I had been above it for a long time. But it's just, it was the hours that took me forever. Yeah, you. I feel like you were at like three, 4,000. Interesting. Very interesting. I did not see that coming. 
Okay, here it is. Um, the video is titled, I Regret Buying the 2018 MacBook Pro, which I've actually changed the title a few times just to try to get more views. With the, uh, yeah. um, it is currently sitting at 292,000 views, which is kind Dang, of wild. Dang, look at um, that. I gained 1.4 thousand subscribers from it. Dang. And I've well, earned $400 from it. That's crazy. That's, a, that's yeah. a nice little paycheck, too. Yes, it is. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. It's like when you have a video that does that well, it kind of just pushes everything on YouTube forward, which is really, really good. Yeah, it's gotten like almost 20 views in the past 48 hours. Like it's still that's, going. Yeah, it's still going. That's the, that's the kind of thing that it's like it's evergreen for the most part. Like I'd say within the next like three to four years, you'll probably see it die off because no one's really looking right. at the, 18, the 2018 model anymore. Right, right. But yeah, no, you got a, a pretty good lifespan out of those kind of videos and people are interested in it because it was very, it was a huge topic at the time that these 2018 MacBook Pros had a massive throttle gate problem. And I was like, I was in the same boat. I bought the 2018 top of the line and then returned it five days later. Cause I'm like, <laughs> this performance is not better than my 2012 MacBook Pro. And if I'm gonna pay four grand for this, it better be light years ahead of my 2012. And it wasn't. Right. And I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah. So I have since upgraded to the 16 inch, which is actually very good. And you have <laughs> as well, actually. You want to tell, tell, you, tell everyone about how you got that? I mean, it's been a wild story because I bought the... So I kind of had a similar story to you in that I returned to MacBook Pro very, very quickly. I had purchased the 2017 off of B&H. It was like, I think, refurbished or something like that. It was super cheap. It was like good specs. But then the 18 came out. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to return it, get the other one. So I got the, the 2018 right as it came out. Um, I can't remember how many months. It was like two months. And then it started showing signs of keyboard failure. Took it in. Since they didn't have the repair part, they were just like, all right, we'll just CRU this thing and give you a new one. I was like, sweet. But apparently since mine was like a custom model, I had to wait. And so I think it was the second time when it came down is when I think we hung out. I can't remember. I think, blurred. yeah, I think it was the second time. Yeah. And so, so I went down, picked up the new one, whatever. A few months later, same problem. Keyboard fails. This time, I think they decide to repair it. They do. And then later, a few months later, it fails again. But this time it was the motherboard, the battery, the keyboard. So they had to do a ton of replacement. It was almost like mm -hmm. a new computer, except mm -hmm. it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. That lasted for a while, and I think that lasted me through into the first semester of college last year, which I feel like there's another repair or replacement somewhere in there. But I've gone through, I think, four or five MacBook Pros, um, all because of keyboard failure or battery failure. Um, and so, anyway, finally I got it replaced. Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, I got, it, it lasted me through the first semester, and then I got it replaced with another 20... This was a 2019, like, no. Yeah, 2019 normal yeah. like MacBook Pro that yeah, yeah. wasn't the new one. That wasn't the 16. And yeah. then it failed again, and I went down to Phoenix again mm -hmm. and got it basically just straight up replaced with a 16 because I, like, told them the whole story and really complained, and yeah. they finally like, were like, all right, sure. I paid, like, $200 to get the one terabyte version. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I now have a 2019 16-inch MacBook Pro mm -hmm. with, I think, one terabyte storage, 16 gigs of whatever right. and yeah. some other stuff <laughs> exactly. um i9 all that so yeah it's been like a kind of a free upgrade process with a lot of headaches so yeah. i do not recommend this yeah, do not recommend. Um, like it sounds great that you now have the 16 inch but it was right. i know how much of so a pain much it was for you especially when you're a content creator and you're literally getting paid to create videos and you're like i don't have a yep. laptop for a couple of days or a couple of weeks right. you're like i literally cannot do my job like as great as the ipad is as great as the iphone is it does not replace right. the computer 
yet. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting too is like at this point, I'm actually oh, like if my MacBook Pro failed, I wouldn't be completely out of luck because of two things. One, the iPad, I can do some video work on it. Mm-hmm. And also I do have a Windows gaming machine that I had, my grandma had given me a la- like a Windows laptop. That was pretty high end, but it was a Windows laptop. And I already had a MacBook Pro. And so I had a friend who had a gaming laptop he, or gaming desktop and he wanted a laptop. And so we just traded. So now I actually have this like moderately powerful gaming machine that I can use but it's Windows, doesn't have Final Cut, which actually I don't use all too much anymore because now I have Resolve and I use that so much. And so I don't know. It's it's a weird place to be in because like technically at this point I could switch to Windows and be technically okay, mm-hmm. except I'd lose iMessage and AirDrop and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But like I can technically survive on Windows, but it's just so ugly. Yeah, it's so. not clean at all. And the thing is, I keep, when I was debating whether or not what computer I was going to get because I knew I was going to upgrade from my 2012 and it was the first time in my life I started looking at PCs and I was like you know Apple has just been dropping the ball so much I really want them to come out with a good computer that's actually worth it but I'm not holding my breath and I don't know what it is so I started looking at uh, PC laptops I started looking at PC Mm -hmm. desktops and I'm like I'm going to get a lot more bang for my buck and I'm going to have to learn a whole new operating system like I'm decent with it because I had to do yeah. tech support. So, you know, I'm yeah. not horrible with it, but I'm not as as uh, fluid uh, fluent as as yeah. Mac OS and I'm I'm, you know, I was I was on Mac since I was in grade 1. So, I know right. all of the shortcuts for a very long time and I was just became like that go-to tech nerd when it came to Apple that all my friends came to me for and it was just like I know yeah. how this works and I'm very very fast with it and it just it makes my workflow much faster when i know how everything works and i know all the shortcuts and everything so it makes my life easier and at the end of the day i'm willing to pay a premium for something that makes my life easier not necessarily right like the tech doesn't need to be the greatest but if it makes my life easier i'm gonna i'm willing to pay for that that's why you know i'm team iphone again it's not the best thing on the market per se in terms of specs but it makes my life much better yeah totally so yes when the 20 so i was thinking about buying for the first time ever a PC and then Apple announced the 16 inch and unlike last time when I pre-ordered the 2018 MacBook Pro I was like you know I'm gonna give this one like a week or two for them to find all the mistakes with it and then see if there's another huge throttle gate problem but all the resu- all the reviews yeah. were super positive and they were like yeah they fixed the thermal issues this is great this is the one you've been waiting for the speakers are amazing all of this and I'm like all right this is seeming really 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 good and about oh, two months later, a month and a half later, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pull the trigger. I'm going to get this one because this seems like the one for me. And I'm really happy about it. And I'm like, dope. Yeah. 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 Like I got mine a few months after it had come out um, or got upgraded. And I remember you getting yours. And I was like, oh, I'm jealous. But mm-hmm. like, honestly, I was like still kind of happy with my laptop. Mm-hmm. But then it started having issues again. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try to get yeah. a better one. Yeah. And so I had my whole story. I had all like the serial numbers and mm-hmm. everything. I was just like, let's just try to get this. And it worked. So yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to something you said briefly. You've switched almost completely from Final Cut to DaVinci. Yeah. So It's weird. Yeah. Why um, is it weird? Well, because like Final Cut was my like everything. I mean, so I started on Premiere and it was it was fine, but a couple times, you know, I'd lose an entire project yeah. and there was no recovery. Yeah. And I'm like, this is stupid. And so I was like, all right, I think I'll give Final Cut a try. I actually didn't realize there was a free trial. I literally didn't learn that till like last year. <laughs> but um, a few years ago, I bought Final Cut, started playing with it. It took me forever to figure out like just how to use it because I was so used to the non-magnetic timeline. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, you know, super fine with it. But like it was weird not being able to just play something where I wanted and yeah. it would just snap over. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, I've gotten more efficient with Final Cut, and it's and it's good for making quick videos. But I've now started to play around a bit more with Resolve, mm -hmm. primarily because of its color tools. Yeah, actually, totally because of its color tools, and it's still very fast. And so. Yeah, I've just been messing around with that a lot more. Because I, as as you know, have been trying to dabble more with Resolve, and I still, mm -hmm. as much as I love how efficient it is, at especially at rendering and exporting, it's, my, it's right. literally light years better than Premiere. And playback yeah. as well, mind-blowing. I can playback full resolution, no drop frames, no lag, no nothing. And again, yeah. a lot of that it's is crazy. chopped up to the fact that DaVinci is actually optimized and uses the GPU, not the CPU, like right. Premiere does. And I don't understand why Adobe yep. refuses to switch over to the GPU. I can't fathom it being that difficult to do. They have the resources. They have the yeah, money, too. Exactly. You know, you know like, I, like so... I get like switching because they're eventually going to have to switch from, you know, Intel based chips to ARM chips when Apple does that switch not in the not so distant future. Right. But. I don't understand why they're not just like, here's, just put it on the GPU. Like, it really can't be that hard to encode that, you know? Like, yeah, it's silly. So, it's, it's a bit of a bummer. But, like, I started dabbling with Resolve, and it, to me, I really loved all how proficient it was, uh, efficient it was, but it, it's been, I haven't gotten completely into it yet because I'm just so much more proficient with Premiere. Yeah. And,. I don't know, like, it seems as though Premiere is more complete in terms of an editor. Yeah. DaVinci, I feel, st is still going through some growing pains. They've, they've made some great strides over the past couple of months, and yeah. they've, they've really come into their own, and I think it's, like, an option now. Like, before, it was just, like, a color grading tool, but now right. it's, like, you can actually le legit edit in this, and it's great, but for me, it's still not quite there yet, and it's not as easy as Premiere that it makes sense. Like, I have to constantly look things up that I wouldn't need to on right. Premiere. When I was first starting out on Premiere, like it just made sense a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like as as easy as it is to get into it, it's still not as easy as it should be. And there's yeah. some discrepancies that really annoy me. Like one of the things that annoyed me that I still can't for the life of me get to work in Resolve mm -hmm. is changing the aspect ratio. That's so and easy. That's and so I know, easy. You keep telling me that. And yet every time I have to zoom in my footage, I There's I a setting a to change that. There's a setting to change that. <laughs> Crop to full size. It's it's a thing. I'll show you later. It's so okay. easy. You just I change really it for the project that. and it does it. I really need that in my life because mm -hmm. I was getting so frustrated. And like with the the 4K is what is what I was talking to you about, and this was weeks and weeks ago, yeah. about how I dropped my 4K footage on, but then it was larger, like my 4K footage was smaller than what was actually displaying, and I'm like, no, 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 I have it set. It was just really annoying for me, but if like the zoom in was like kind of a method, but it still wasn't doing it for me. But right. then the other day, I was just messing around with it, and I had a 720 vertical as my timeline, mm -hmm. and I put a 4K vertical on, Mm -hmm. and the 4k vertical was still showing up as like less than that 720 timeline and i'm like That's okay weird. this is just this is just frustrating me beyond compare because i'm like with the with the 4k thing i understood i'm like all right maybe i have to zoom in 0.021 percent right right that is understandable it annoys me but i can do it but yeah. this one putting 4k onto a 720p timeline. that sounds like a bug that sounds like a i bug. don't know it's been really annoying for me and that's one of the things like as as much as premiere is annoying it works when i do what i tell it to do right so that's been an issue 
hopefully you can help me solve that. Because <laughs> I, especially during this quarantine, I really want to get a little bit more proficient with Resolve because it's just so much better. Like it pains me because I exported two full projects side by side on Premiere and Resolve. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally like 70% faster on right. Resolve. I yeah. could save, and my computer wasn't blowing up beyond compare. Like when I'm <laughs> exporting as it Resolve, silent. But when I'm exporting on Premiere, it sounds like a jet is taking off for yes. like an hour. And I'm it's like, stupid. oh my God. Yeah. It's interesting too. So like the reason I switched, besides just the color, was because I can't bring Blackmagic Raw into uh, Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Or, or and you're, uh, yeah, and you're a, a four pocket 4K shooter. Yeah. And so I needed the ability to just edit. And I was like, I could color grade and then bounce those color graded clips and then edit them. I'm like, you know what? It's just easier just to edit in there. And so... It got to the point where, you know, I've opened Final Cut. I don't, I've opened it like five times this year. Um, but, you know, Resolve's been open all the time. And obviously it's slower to start up. It's, it's a big clunky program, you know, in comparison because, you know, it's written by Apple versus written by, you know, a third-party development team. But, you know, it's been more of a necessity thing to, to use Resolve. And now it's just like I use it all the time, even when I'm not using um black magic clips you know i'll exactly, be i'll put in iphone just footage better with it yeah. yeah and plus like i can't lose that color page it's so powerful and like final cut just feels like it's just not there yet and were so, you using any plugins with final cut the only plugin there were like two plugins for I was using. color oh for color only one yeah. just the okay. um uh, no no the other one um film uh film convert film convert yeah yeah, I yeah, know yeah. Why i blanked on the name but yeah so that's that's been like my main color thing and Film converts okay sometimes. I'm still not a fan. I still need to figure out exactly how to kind of dial it in to make it not look so... Is that so... the new one, the nitrate? The nitrate's really good, but it's just um, you know a matter of trying to figure out how to dial it in to where I feel happy with it versus just trying to you know mess with the color on my own and not use film convert. Patrick seems to love just film convert, and I can't quite figure out why. <laughs> Patrick <laughs> well, Tommaso he... on Twitter. <laughs> I know, I know who he is. Yes, for those who don't know, follow Patrick on Twitter. He's he's quite the character and very insightful. Yes. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, like when you have it's it's just so much more powerful in Resolve, and I was mind blown. I was like, wow, this like you really have a lot more power when it comes to color grading and Resolve, and that's yeah. why. I, I just color graded a couple projects there. I wasn't even editing in it. And I was like, you know, I just kind of want to mess with this. And I'm like, yo, this is coming out a lot better than I could have done in Premiere. Yeah. And another reason mm, that I've been wanting to switch to Resolve is because Premiere has this issue and it's only been on my 16 inch. So it has to be a, a relatively newer issue. And I think mm-hmm. it's something to do with the way that, that Apple codes its software but the color is completely wrong in Premiere. So what you're seeing while you're editing and color grading and what your final export look like are drastically different. So you have, kind of have to like export a little bit, see how it turns out, and then kind of just eyeball it and guess where, how that color is going to turn out when you export it. And it's hmm. such a pain. And I've gotten to the point where like I can figure it out because I've done so many tests, right. but it shouldn't. I shouldn't have to do that. Right. And so that was like one of the main things that pushed me over to Resolve. I'm like, yo, this is showing me what the final product's gonna look like, you know? So is it a color space issue of like your timeline being one color space, your export being a different no? One? It's it's an it's an Apple issue. Um, because apparently the way Apple interprets color and the way Premiere interprets color are very different. So, hmm. um, 
it's weird how it encodes it. And I thought I was the only one, but I started going on the forums and realized that this has been a problem for a while. Wow. And some of my friends on Twitter also were just like, yo, what's the, the problem with this? It looks like my color grade is at like 20% of what it should be. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's a pain. And then Adobe actually, they, they say they fixed the issue with this kind of like LUT gamma correction, but all it does is really just like crush the blacks and add contrast and it makes your footage look like garbage. So Weird. it's not really a solution. It's just a way, but it's not only on Mac too. There are a couple PCs that have that issue as well. And I, so it, it's the way that the, whoever the manufacturer is encodes their, their computers and their software. So it's hmm. really annoying how that comes out. So with Resolve, I don't have that issue. And so I, I actually really still have that. some of, somewhat of an issue with Resolve's color not being all the way there. Like sometimes it feels like the black levels are kind of lifted when I export. So I'm still trying mm. to figure that out. But yeah, like yeah. Resolve. Yeah, I have noticed when I exported on Resolve, it was it was much closer to what I had in the the viewfinder, but mm -hmm. not perfect. But like again, it was more so with the, like the black levels and not my entire color. Right. Right. So that is an issue, but I'm sure they'll figure it out sooner or later. Yeah. Or it's probably a setting that I haven't found yet and I just need to tick one box and it'll just fix it. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I was watching. Do you watch Gerald Undone by any chance? A little bit. Not too much. He was talking about this, this new thing, um, like, uh, legalized versus full. And hmm. I, f I was like interested in that. Cause like, I don't really use that kind of stuff because I have a Sony and we don't really have that issue because <laughs> right. we're not working with powerful enough footage that it really makes that much of a difference and it's yeah. just so compressed that it doesn't matter yeah. but um i was very interested to learn about that and i was like oh, oh this is a setting i might need to learn about for the future so i also <laughs> i want to talk about youtube a little bit and right. how you've said that i don't know i feel like you've said that you you don't necessarily want to be a youtuber or yeah viewed as a youtuber why is that <laughs> It's interesting because like I was always wanting to do YouTube for a long time and you know I watched Peter McKinnon people like that and like it was something I wanted to do but as time went on like I just got so tired with YouTube I haven't actually really watched that much YouTube lately I used to watch it like religiously and all the subscriptions I'd be up up to date on it but it got to the point where I saw the patterns of like oh this is just a video because they want to make money through their ad revenue or they want to make money through the clicks and the whatever and it just felt so repetitive and then there's the whole thing of youtubers doing camera reviews f because they're camera reviewers and they don't actually use the cameras for anything else besides camera reviews and it's just like what like am i really watching a review about a review kind of thing and it's like i want to see stuff more about you know actual filmmaking and stuff and that's why i watch more people like um Film Riot, for example, where it's like they're actually making stuff, or um, Spencer Sakurai, or um, uh, Wandering DP. Like those, they actually do real work with the camera. So when they review it, they're taking the perspective of how am I going to use this on set versus like how am I going to use this to film a flower in my backyard. And so I, I just got tired of YouTube. And then also I got really tired of smartphone reviews, which I feel like I'm still going to end up doing them. Like I really like doing OnePlus videos, but like there's a whole issue of focusing my channel onto one specific thing. And I was trying to shift it over to more filmmaking stuff, primarily because I want gear. <laughs> yeah. And um, yes, yes. like eight, eight phones I don't really care about, but like new lights and shit like that. I'm like, yes, yes. please. Um, Very true. And so, yeah. So like I tried shifting it, but then again, like there's also the whole thing of time and being in college and trying to figure that out. And like, I have a lot more time now. Everything's online. So I'm going to try to do more videos. I keep saying that. I thought I'd have a video out by the end of spring break, but then stuff happened and it was kind of crazy. But Anyway, um, 
so yeah, it's like, I don't want to make videos. The, the ultimate thing about the whole not wanting to be a YouTuber, it was like, I don't want to make YouTube videos. I want to make videos that make me excited, whether there's, those are films, maybe it's a review or whatever, but I don't want to be a YouTuber. Because um, my, my approach for a career is to be a commercial cinematographer, a short film, narrative cinematographer. It's not to be a YouTuber. And so like while I'm in college, I do want to try to make a lot of videos so that I can make some you know passive income as I'm going through stuff. But that's not really the end goal. And so it's like trying to figure out how to best do that. And somehow Patrick is able to not really do YouTube, but then do a YouTube video and it gets 50,000 views. And I'm like, well, what the heck are you doing? Because I, I want to do that. Um, yeah, you're like, I really huh. don't understand how he's doing Interesting. that. Um, yeah, it's just trying to figure out all that stuff and like make videos that make me excited. And so like, I've, I've got one video that's like, I have to do, and I, I'm, I'm excited to put it out. It's just taking me forever. Um, Small Rick had sent me a shoulder rig and oh, okay. I did. Is this for the Black Magic or for Fuji? I, I mean, it's it's for a shoulder rig, so it's like I could put the 15 millimeter rod system on the Fuji if oh, I okay. wanted. But right okay. now it's on the Black Magic. Or actually, I just disassembled it yesterday because actually all the dorms have been consolidated, so I have to move, which is great. Um, Where are you? That sounds fun. Yeah, are you just so there's like back home. What's no, the game no, there are, there are eight or so dorms on campus. And most of everyone has gone home, except for a few people who are staying on campus. But now they want everyone to be in one or two dorms. And so they're going to ah, sign them on okay, Monday. Okay. There's a really nice dorm, which is the Honors Village dorm. And then there's the shitty dorm. I really hope <laughs> I'm in the nice dorm. So you're, you're saying that you have to move from one dorm room to another dorm room. And exactly. And potentially when school gets back in, in session, you're going to I mean, move? I have to move by Wednesday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a pain. It sucks. Yeah. And it's only going to be for a month and a half or two months or whatever. So... <sighs> Yeah, it's great. Um, but anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Fuji. Fuji. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magic. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, because I packed up my black. Yeah, anyway. Yes. Um, so I have to put that video out. Um, I have another video I'm working on of how to turn iPhone footage to look more like vintage film. Um, so that'll be coming out soonish. ish um, I, I just want to make a lot more videos because I have so much more time. It's just like, you know, nailing down my time and like working hard and not being lazy and stuff is, is kind of where I need to go. But... Um, yeah, it's like I'm like right now I'm, I'm making YouTube videos or I'm trying to at least, and that that is a focus in my life, but it's not really you know the ultimate focus, and that's kind of where that whole not wanting to be a YouTuber kind of comes from. Yeah, so I always found it very intriguing that you wanted to be a YouTuber, you got fed up with it, and then you made this massive distinction between filmmaker and YouTube. Yeah, and like you can be a filmmaker on YouTube, right? But it's harder to be a YouTuber being a filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, it's very interesting too, because the, the few filmmaker friends that I have who do this on a professional level, they're mm -hmm. like, there's a huge difference between content you shoot for YouTube and content you shoot for filmmaking. Absolutely. Like if you want to be a YouTuber, we have nothing against you, right. but also don't call it filmmaking. You can be a filmmaker on YouTube and that's right. fine, right. but don't be, don't know, be a, a vlogger YouTuber. and call yourself yeah, a Yeah, exactly. A don't be a vlogger and calling yourself a filmmaker. And I found that intriguing because depending on the situation, I myself have classified myself as a filmmaker, right. even though I, I don't technically fall into that category. I mean, what's interesting too is like in some sense, you know, it's an art form, filmmaking is an art form, and you're telling a story. So a vlogging is a form of filmmaking. Um, it's just not... Yeah, like maybe it's more like, of like don't call yourself a cinematographer or a director exactly. if you're yeah, doing yeah, vlogging yeah. maybe that's more of it and not yeah. so much the word filmmaker because that's more fluid and loose but exactly yeah no i but again that filmmaker term is is tied so heavily to like too. the more cinematic yes very very overused but it's it has the more professional ties to it versus uh something more less professional yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting seeing how YouTube has, has changed 
a lot of words like b-roll for example mm-hmm. b-roll it was really funny i actually put out a, a tweet yesterday and i was like hey i'm so glad i filmed the a-roll for this video yesterday so i can just focus on the b-roll today mm-hmm. and someone responded saying i've never heard the term a-roll before that's really cool and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> but you've heard <laughs> b-roll just, exactly but you've heard exactly you've heard b-roll and especially in the youtube community now b-roll has just become slow-mo 120 fps uh, <laughs> that you put on top of everything with a dope song with some i'm so sick of that edits. that is and it's, it's so 2017 and i am done with it i love it Don't i know you're okay me. it's good it's good sometimes <laughs> but it just i have like ptsd from from that and i'm just like wow let's maybe shoot 24 and like yeah, have yeah. some camera shake and i don't know make it more real yeah, versus no, have like a different vibe. and i think you know that's that's the thing with trends though especially when you're learning a new trend is that you overuse it beyond compare until it's dead but then you have it in your toolbox and you're right. like All right, i understand how this works right. i'm excited and i can use it if i need it i can pull it out if i need it but i'm not gonna beat a dead horse with it anymore yeah i um, mean there is there is a very big trend right now that i'm gonna totally jump on and i just mentioned it earlier is the whole vintage thing it mm, is mm-hmm. such a trend right now it and it's, it's getting close right to now. its death it's getting very close you to think its so death. i think it's still i still really? I, I still think we're on the upper upward curve okay. for sure i, th- I feel like we're sure. dropping but maybe not either way i think no nah, dude it's like such a film trend. photography has been so okay no 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 no, no. sorry so film film photography definitely selling the up it's still going but I'm talking about like making your your music video or making your YouTube mm. video to look filmy because you're adding yeah. grain and mats on top. Yes, that's I, where but I'm I like, think I think it goes hand in hand with photography, uh, yeah. the film photography vibe. Right. Um, I think photography will definitely go on longer, but I yeah. think for sure, like for the past like I don't know year and a half, two years, we've been seeing like a lot of 3D film photos in music videos. We've been seeing a lot of four by three. We've been seeing a lot yeah. of shot on film, and it's like it's really interesting to see how that works out. Uh, so the, that definitely is, is a trend and it's very trendy right now, but p- people like it, you know, it's nostalgic. Yeah. It goes back to a time for most people in this generation who weren't around when right. that was existed. So for them, it's just like cool. And it has this like, oh, it's, it's vintage vibe, even though they right. have, they weren't around. So I think for them, it's like, why not? You know, we're going to yeah. have some fun with that. And it just looks cool. And people associate like good times, better times with that kind of stuff. And seeing as though the world is in a very bad hmm. position right now and no yeah. one's really happy, people can enjoy that kind of nostalgia. Right. Absolutely. It's interesting to see how Cinestill 800D was so hot, like mm. the last half, the half of last year, latter half mm-hmm. of last year. Um, and then it's kind of died down. And that, but like it was interesting how big it was last year. It was kind of Yes. Crazy. Yes. Well, the thing is, like, a lot of people like that look you know mm-hmm. and i can't argue with it it's a very cool look yeah it's it's interesting to see how trends dictate how content is made and how people learn yeah and what they're going to be bringing to the table for the next couple months or years right and yeah it's it's interesting to see but i also feel like we've gone because of film not necessarily because of film but in addition to the film trend we've seen a lot more natural photography and videography like cr- less crazy edits less crazy less lifted blacks grading. yeah we're, <laughs> we're seeing more natural more what the ic is still a little bit creative yeah but not as uh crazy as we were before yeah. like especially like i've seen my photography make that shift as well from you know like super overly saturated vibrant with some crazy stuff that's that's not even possible to more like just capturing the moment and doing yeah. some basic 
uh, color grading and skin retouching. Right. And it's just like, I don't know, you know, like I feel like that's more meaningful now. And I think a lot of people are over that non-realistic look for the most part. And people want to see, you know, what, what their eye sees, not necessarily this crazy out of this world kind of edit. So, yeah. And like, yeah, like even with videography as well, like the transitions, the crazy transitions have been a thing for a while now, but I feel like the last year they've really died off, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And people have gotten a lot more creative with how, with their storytelling and the quality of that storytelling has improved greatly. And I'm like, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad this transition thing is kind of going down (laughs) because it just leads to better stories. And I feel like one of the... I, I started to realize that when I was watching one of Sam Calder's more recent films mm-hmm. and I was like, dang, like the transitions here are much more just like you don't even realize they're happening and it's really nice and it's yeah. a lot more natural and it's a lot more like a Hollywood movie, like zoom in, zoom out, like different lens angle, not necessarily like this crazy 3D warp style go into right. the, and like, it's nice, you know, like yeah. I like it when it's not blatant and you're like, oh. right. This yeah. just this the story flows a lot better. Absolutely, someone who I think has done that really, really well with like meaningful transitions, not just transitions for the sake of transitions, is Jesse Driftwood. Mm, yes, his transitions, I feel like, are on a completely different level. Yes, because it's not necessarily for the sake of storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's just super interesting. Right. Like, I just love, like, he'll just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I had, like, a six-camera setup so I could get this zoom in just the way I wanted it to. And I'm right. like, no one in their right mind needs that. And the final <laughs> thing was, like, a five-second shot, but right. it looks so cool. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's when you know you're, like, you're the real deal because you're putting that much work for five seconds worth of footage. <laughs> yep. Uh, it is fun to see how creative people can get, though. And I love seeing the differences and how people's creativity minds work because yeah like it's it's really interesting to see his his work style is very different from anyone else and i think that's he really makes himself stand out with the content he puts out there because it's not like anyone else's yeah so jackson i also know that you went from having the black magic and loving that and i think you still do have it yes but you also bought a fuji i did Talk um, about that. It was interesting. So I, I keep saying that it's interesting because sometimes it is. <laughs> but it is anyway. But anyway. We're, we're camera nerds. We're allowed <laughs> to be intrigued by this kind of stuff, right? So I, my first camera was a T five I, and I bought it because I was just so ready to finally get a camera after watching Peter McKinnon for like a solid two mm-hmm. years, and um, I could have saved a little more and gotten a T seven I or whatever. But I went for a T five I. It was refurbished, whatever. It was a good camera, but you know, ISO sucked, and you know, it's a very beginner camera, and so. I then upgraded to the ADD, and I had that for a pretty long time. Um, and eventually, it felt like I was just feeling so limited by the camera, and I wanted to switch to mirrorless. And so, mm-hmm. obviously, it was around the time of the A7III's like big hype, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go A7III. I bought an A7III, and I did not like it. I think I might have bought an A7III twice. I think you did. I think I, I remember did. Ha- having this conversation with you. Yeah. So I think I bought it twice. I returned it twice. Obviously, um, I shot a few photos. I was like, this is kind of neat, but also not a fan of like the colors and not a fan of just the Sony-ness of it. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's mainly the colors. Um, and obviously, you know, you can work hard to make it look better, but it's like, I don't want to be fighting the camera all the time. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to buy a pocket 4k. And so 
I ordered it. I found this you know random camera store in New York that happened to have it in stock. This is while it was like super out of stock in months, yeah, months yeah, yeah, of yeah. like back ordered. It was such a such a high it camera, was and such for the a price high too. It was insane, incredible. You're literally getting a cinema camera for like a thousand dollars. Like right. sure, you can rig it out, but the fact that you had that much power, and right. that's what people still don't understand. Like when I'm saying, if you're into video and you're like a filmmaker, that camera is insane. Yes, and so I was like, all right, pocket 4K, let's go. And so I I bought. I bought it, bought a bunch of accessories, and kind of went to town. I got the, so I had the 18-35 Sigma art lens, and so I was like, I'm just going to use that. I'm going to speed boost it, and we're going to be good. I I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. Probably a good idea now, but bad idea at the time. I bought the 0.64 speed booster, meaning it made it bigger than Super 35, meaning, yeah, not full frame, but it was in that zone where if I zoomed out anywhere past uh, 28 it would vignette and Ooh, so okay it was fine because i love the look uh, at 35 it was essentially like a i think like a 44 millimeter lens or something around there and it was beautiful it was great but i couldn't zoom out and obviously i couldn't zoom in i have to swap out lenses for my nifty 50 <laughs> which is such a bad lens anyway <laughs> um like it the chromatic aberration is just it's wow horrible. yeah no, who was it? I saw uh, Drew was talking about the Canon Nifty 50. I'm like, yo, that that is trash. It is so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And so I was like, all right, I need a better lens. So I sold my 18 to 35 um, and just kind of, I actually still had another lens because Patrick, same Patrick Tommaso, he had dropped his um, Voigtlander 25 millimeter 0.95 um, lens. He had dropped it to where it couldn't have a filter on it anymore. So he texted me one day. He's like, do you want it? And I'm like, yeah. Um, and he's like, it's broken. I'm like, that's fine. If it still works aside from the filter thing, I'm fine. And so he sent it to me. And so I actually had a lens for a while. And that lens is gorgeous. I wish they made one for like Fuji or something like that because it is an amazing lens. Just Can you not adapt it's it? It's so good. No, because it's a it's MFT. And so mm, it's, yeah, it's yeah, okay, for okay. that tiny uh, sensor. So you can't go bigger unfortunately. Anyway, so I had that for a while, but I was like, I need a better lens. So eventually I decided to buy the 24 to 70 Sigma zoom and it's a photo lens. It's very much a photo lens. The, the breathing is rather crazy. Um, but it still breathes. And so like pretty much any, any lens breathes if it's not a cinema lens. The reason is cinema lenses, it's not that they don't breathe. It's that they fight the breathing. Yeah. And so they compensate for it. And so it's like, you know, unless I buy a cinema lens, which the one I kind of eyeing is like around five thousand dollars. I'm not doing that right now. Um, yeah, it's it's this Fujinon lens. It's gorgeous. Anyway, uh, I decided to get this lens because I'm like, you know what? It's twenty four to seventy, meaning I just need really one lens for anything. It's two eight. It's stabilized. It's a beautiful lens. And so I've been yeah. using that for a while. And it's been great. Um, but that's been my lens setup for the Pocket Four K. So now let's talk about Fuji. Mm-hmm. After I sold my A seven three and decided to go for the Pocket Four K, I was like, oh crap! I need a camera for photos. And yeah. um, eventually sold my ADD. You did? Yeah, no, yes. I did. I did. Because I was like, where else would it have gone? <laughs> yeah, so I sold it. <laughs> and um, I was like, all right, I'm going to look into cameras. Um, I kind of toyed with the idea of getting like a, a like a Sony mirrorless as my photo camera. Mm-hmm. I played around with the idea of getting maybe... Canon, their mirrorless lineup sucks right, right now. Right, it does. They're, and this was even before the R came out. So it's, yeah, this, yeah, their mirrorless lineup like is non-existent. Anyway, so I was looking for some sort of camera. I looked, I started hearing about Fuji and how great it was and yeah. stuff. I was like, you know what? I think the X-T3 is going to do it for me because it also is a great video camera. So if for whatever reason, my Pocket 4K went down, I would have a way to still make videos. And so 
I jumped jumped for it and got the the XT3 with the kit lens, but the kit lens is actually pretty impressive. Very it's good. It's very yeah, I mean, sharp. All of, of Fuji's lenses clean. are just really impressive. Like there's nothing to complain about. Absolutely. Fuji. And so it took me a while to kind of get used to the whole Fuji menu system and how exposure works and stuff with the dials and all that. But now it is it is straight up my favorite. I like it more than my Pocket 4K. Um, yeah. Obviously not for video. <laughs> But like no. just the usability of it, and even like shooting video, sometimes it's easier just to shoot it on the the, the XT3, because um, the 4K is very very good. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a great camera. I eventually got the 35 millimeter f2 on it, and that lens is lovely. Um, I really want to get a 23 millimeter, but I also want to get the their what is it a uh, 16 to 55 16 to 55 oh, okay. zoom lens. Because then it would just kind of be like my 24 to 70 and exactly. great. I might end up just getting an adapter so I can use my Sigma on this and just mm-hmm. rock one lens because that would work too and that'd be cheaper because I think the adapter is only 300 bucks. But right now, okay. with coronavirus and no work, not a good idea. So I'm not doing yeah, that right it's, now. It's kind <laughs> of a struggle right now. Let's be real. But once, once things kind of pick back up, I'll probably end up getting that so that I have you know just one lens I can operate with um, and it's stabilized too, which is nice. So... Yeah, that's that's kind of my Fuji life. There's a couple reasons why I like Fuji. One is the size. It's so small, I can bring it anywhere. I don't I don't really care about how big it is. I can have it all around my neck all day, no problem. Um, my girlfriend has a 6D Mark II, and that thing is huge, and it's not something yes. you want to carry around all the exactly. time. And so you never you never realize how heavy a DSLR is until you pick up a mirrorless camera and you're like, "Oh." <laughs> so I've been shooting mirrorless so long that when I played with her 6D, I was like, "This thing's it's huge." A tank. Yeah, you never realize. And that. like the the actual mirror flipping, yeah, I'm like, I know. this is yeah, so it's like it's a huge clunk master. And like <laughs> it's kind of funny. before you switch, yeah. you're like, "Oh, this is just the norm. This is normal. I've come to expect this." And then yeah. you switch to mirrorless and you're like, "Oh. What?" Right. I mean, the 60 is nice because it's a full frame camera. It's very, very like ergonomic. Mm. It's really nice. And the images coming out of it are great because, you know, Canon colors and all that. Okay. Question for you, though. though. Yes. Um, Fuji colors. Fuji, Fuji colors over Canon? <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. See, I've always ranked colors as Fuji, Canon, and then Nikon and Sony kind of tied. Yeah. It wasn't um, until I got a Fuji that I that Fuji kind of jumped s- Canon because I always thought Canon was like, you know, the gold standard until I got Fuji. Mm. I'm like, you know what? This is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think ever since like the XT2, people have really paid a- attention to the the Fuji colors, and they're like, oh, there's there's a, a noteworthy difference. And with all the film simulations and everything, it's just like right out of camera, you're getting yeah. such a beautiful image that you don't even need to edit if you don't want to. Right. So it's like, mm, this makes my life easier. And I always said like, I would love to have a Fuji just as like a fun camera to play around right. with and like go out with. But then I'm like, that's a lot of money to invest into a camera that is just a fun camera. Yeah. I hope they release the X-T40 sometime, probably next year, given coronavirus and all that. But like mm-hmm. once they release the the X-T40, that camera is going to be so hot because it's going to be so much cheaper and mm-hmm. it's going to do pretty much everything except maybe exactly. like, you know, I think they would maybe kill the stable. Well, stabilization is a big component. So I don't know what they would kill to make it cheaper. I mean, pr- they probably make the frame per second a little bit less. Because right, on the X-T4 yeah. now, it's like, what, 30 frames per second? Or I have more no idea. I actually am not interested in the X-T4 whatsoever. Mm. I thought I'd be like so hyped about it. But yeah, that's the honestly, thing. Is like, I think the difference excited. between the, the X-T3 and the X-T4, not mind-blowing. If you're yeah. upgrading from the X-T2, yes. Right. But the X-T3, I think, was like the game changer for Fuji, in my opinion. Their battery life still sucks because they didn't change the batteries. Yeah. But aside from that, like the X-T3 was like, 
practically the a7 III of Fuji. Like, it was the game-changing camera for me. Yeah, the one thing that I do struggle with Fuji is their refusal to jump to full frame. <laughs> a full frame Fuji would be lovely because I do not want to buy their GFX yeah, that's 100. The thing. I don't have 10 grand or whatever it costs it's, to buy that, yeah. and I don't want to walk around 10 with that. grand I want to body walk around. only, and then like every lens is like five to seven grand, and you're like, <laughs> it hurts, but it's beautiful, but it hurts. And I just, I laugh so hard because people are like, oh, Mark, what camera should I buy? I've really been thinking about Fuji. I'm like, you're going to love the Fuji. It's great. But if you ever feel like upgrading to full frame, you don't have an option. They're like, wait, the Fujis aren't full frame. I'm like, no, 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 they're crop. And they're like, they don't have a full frame. I'm like, no, but they have medium format if you want that. But like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I like part of me is like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like most people can't tell. And like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And um, what's his name? Uh, Casey Cavanaugh. He's another YouTuber. Mm. He reminds me a lot of uh, Spencer Sakurai, mm. actually. But anyway, he's a Fuji shooter, and he made this video about the X-T3 and how it's like, like he doesn't really care about full frame anymore after using the X-T3. Mm. And so whenever I feel kind of bad about uh, Fuji's lack of full frame, I'll go watch that video and be like, okay, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that's like, it doesn't really matter because the images coming out of the Fuji Are just look so lovely. Nice, and yeah. no one's going to really pixel peep and like be like, I think this is a Super 35. Yeah. That. But, you know, it is nice to have that bigger sensor, yeah. to have the more light, have, exactly. you know, the shallower depth of field. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you have a 35 f2 on a crop lens, like a 50, it's about a 50 millimeter it looks lovely. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Yeah, and you can throw um, in like an even longer and wider lens on there and right. just be like, oh. Yeah, I feel like if you had like an 85 and then that was like a 1.4, 1.2, that like gives the equivalent of like something much nicer on full, like on full frame. I feel like if yeah. you had those kind of side-by-side -side comparisons, it's harder to tell. But yeah, like if you're comparing like 35 to 35, yeah, the full frame is still going to have... One of my favorite YouTubers actually, he just jumped on the Fuji... Uh, hype train and he got the xc4 where they sent it to him and he was doing this side-by-side -side comparison uh photo comparison with the a7 III and the fuji xc4 and mm -hmm. at first glance i couldn't tell a difference and then i read the comments mm -hmm. and they're like oh i could tell because of the depth of field so i started looking for the depth of field and i'm like okay yeah i can tell which one's the a7 III and which one's the xc4 but you know right. on first glance especially on social media people like look at it for five seconds scroll and that's the end of how people see your photos no one's gonna yeah. tell <laughs> So much of gear and gear acquisition is about yourself. It's not about people seeing exactly it. because yeah. you know that it's not full frame. No one else really knows unless they see XC three and they think yeah, about only is that a other full frame? oh it's not other full frame. camera nerds like us are gonna be like mm -hmm, no one no right. one else is gonna care at all. Like people are gonna see an iPhone photo and be like oh was that and it's like no it's you know like as long as it looks good. Yeah. It looks good. And I think with that, we've had a very good conversation, Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reaching out and uh, being on my podcast. Feels great. And I'd Absolutely. love to have you on at a later date as well, if you're interested yeah, in that. Yeah, thanks so much yeah. for having me. No, thank you. Jackson, where can they find you? Uh, let's see. Jackson H Visuals. Jackson, the letter H, and then Visuals on Twitter, Instagram. On YouTube, you search Jackson Hayes. Scroll past the basketball player who has a Jackson with an X, which I... <laughs> hate so much um but once you find me i have around i don't know six thousand subscribers or something like that so yes i actually checked this morning you're at 6.42 <laughs> nice. i think um yeah but yeah no congratulations on that i see you growing and i'm just like mm, yeah just feeling. jackson hayes here and there but yes and, um, thank you jackson uh yeah, i greatly appreciate you coming along and uh see you next time